Hi guys and welcome back to the Female Fitness Podcast. I'm your host Danny, and today I have the pleasure of being joined by Charlie and you might have seen recently that we've launched a community called The Flourishing Competitor, previously known as the Life After Bodybuilding Community but we've changed the name and we wanted to open up a little bit about the struggles that we've faced and how we've overcome those struggles in our transition away from competing into normal life so that you guys know that we can actually relate to you and we want to be a little bit vulnerable with you so that you feel like you can be vulnerable with us as well so we're going to open up a little bit during this podcast and I think it will be really insightful for you all to listen to so I hope you enjoy it and Charlie I'm going to start by asking you to I know you came on the podcast recently but I just want you to briefly introduce yourself and just touch on when you last stepped on stage and where you're at now yeah so hello I'm happy to be back um, and obviously excited for what we've got going with the flourishing competitor. So my background, um, I got into the fitness industry probably like 2013, so wow, oh my god, that's 10 years next year, wow. Um, and my first entry point into the industry was actually competing, so I was one of those girls who I came out of dancing. I was a dancer as a teenager, went straight into the gym um, just to keep healthy. And then within sort of six months of training, someone was like, oh, you should compete. My physique was just naturally going that way. And I was straight into the industry. So pretty much from get go, I was competing. My first show was in 2014 and I did 15 shows right up until 2019. Um, I did pretty well in it. I placed top three in every show I've done. I've done the universe, the world. I've competed with um, the MPC, PCA, NABA, the WFF, um, the UK BFF back in the day. So yeah, I've got a pretty broad spectrum of, of federations. Um, and I kind of got to a point in 2019 when obviously we'll discuss things a little bit further in this podcast. And I just, it started to become, uh, competing started to take a lot more from me than it was given to me. And I think we've mentioned on a previous podcast, you almost kind of start to refine your roots again, I think at that point. Um, I'd already started coaching then. I was in the transition of going full-time with coaching as well. So um, from sort of 2019 to now, I've kind of been almost kind of finding myself again. And um, I, I began with quite a broad spectrum of, of coaching and coaching loads of different people to find out what was right for me. And, and in the past sort of year or so, I've really kind of, I hate the word niche, but niche down and um, I'm kind of just really focusing on allowing people to live, the women mainly to live their healthiest healthiest lives um happiest lives and really focusing on their relationship with themselves with body image um, and their food relationships and just getting a little bit deeper in terms of in terms of coaching more from like a psychological perspective rather than just the usual things we see in the fitness industry of get lean quick or you know lean is better type of type of mentality and a much more kind of well-rounded approach to health and fitness so that's where I'm at at the moment and um yeah it kind of I guess always comes full circle for the reason why you start in the first place but um yeah just kind of coaching in my element now and feeling really kind of aligned with where I'm at yeah I absolutely love that and obviously I can't wait to grow the flourishing competitor with you and see what we can produce and how we can help people with that and have 
essentially a massive impact on people's lives. And so since your last show in 2019, what has been your biggest struggle? I think I think body image for me was the biggest struggle. Um, I think we all kind of have elements of kind of transition out of diet and things that are tough. But for me, my biggest my biggest struggle was looking at my body again and accepting myself. Um, I really struggled with not necessarily being stage lean all the time like that what I, I knew and I think this is a really important distinction as well of being like just because you know you have to gain body fat post-show doesn't mean that you necessarily have a great body image um I knew that it's always been part of the process of done 15 preps like I was comfortable with that but actually getting to a point where I go right okay there isn't another goal now there isn't another aesthetic goal um I'm removing that safety net of kind of all well, this is just life and accepting the the natural fluctuations of my body um that was the, the the most difficult thing for me and I think it takes takes well it has taken a lot of work to get to a point where I'm really seeing myself as a well-rounded person um and not just waiting kind of if people will like me or what or whatever on, on how I look on on my aesthetic so that was definitely my biggest struggle and actually the biggest thing that's now enriched my life now that I've actually got past that yeah that's it's really nice like it's not nice that you've had that struggle but it's nice to hear that because I think that a lot of people will be able to relate to struggling with their body image especially when not only like transitioning away from competing but transitioning away from things like even just a, a general fat loss phase where you do end up putting a lot of emphasis on your external appearance and you can see your body image take a little bit of a hit it it's reassuring I think for people to hear that you've gone through that and you've now come out the other end and you're now in such a good place with your body image and that hopefully is reassuring for people to know that it is possible so whatever struggles they're having now with their body image they can get through that and like I know from spending time with you that your body image is in a really good place right now and like we discussed at the weekend like we now accept that we can see fluctuations in our body composition, but we're so okay with that. Whereas yeah. in the past, it would have been like a bit of a trigger and we would probably freaked out in response to those fluctuations that we're seeing. Like, for example, you discussed that recently you've only been able to train a couple of times a week and your body's changed a little bit in response to that, but it hasn't been the end of the world for you. No, and that's exactly so like bit of background. I got a puppy what two months ago now and if anybody has done that before they know that it's all encompassing um like having a child and I mean I definitely wasn't prepared for that and I was a bit like oh fr frustration at first like oh, you know I can't, can't get to the gym um and naturally over you know a span of a couple of months if you are consistently you know if, if your output is changing um relative to, to your norm things will adjust slightly things will fluctuate slightly um and I actually did reflect on how okay for me it's a bit more frustrating because of actually I like that gym as the mental downtime between work and things like that but actually how the fluctuation in my body is one of those things I've just looked at and gone oh yeah well that's just obviously it's going to fluctuate a little bit because it's not a priority at the moment or you know I'm putting more of my energy somewhere else and, and that's fine and I think when you realize that every state is transient um it gives you kind of a bit more of an empowerment where you can see things a little bit wider and think, yeah, yeah, this is now. And this is just an obvious, an obvious fluctuation. It also doesn't mean that I go, okay, I can only train a couple of times a week. So there's no point training at all. 
or there's no point looking after my nutrition because I value all of the other things that that brings me. Like I said, the, the mental downtime, how great I feel when my, my nutrition's in a good place. Then it's not a case of swinging between two spectrums either. It's a case of, right, this is what I can control. This is what I can't. And this is the outcome of it. And I don't actually just, you just notice, don't you? I, I just don't let it take up as much space in my head as it did previously. And kind of look and go like, okay, this isn't my, my norm, but it doesn't really go any further than that. Like, okay, it's, it's a fluctuation. And when I do train a little bit more consistency, that consistently, that'll probably change as well, even though it'll just be a natural, a natural change rather than me going and punishing my body to, to get back to where I was kind of mentality. Definitely. I think it's just acceptance, like acceptance that first of all, you're more than just your physical appearance. Second of all, like who, who made up the rule that having more muscle tissue or being leaner is better. Like that it's not obviously when you're in competing, that is, that is what you're success is judged against when you step on stage yes having more muscle tissue and less body fat is going to mean that you place better so then that sort of gets in your head as being like a measure of success and it takes a while to break that down when you then come away from competing and coming away and then living your life after competing it's really important to recognize that actually leaner isn't better anymore having muscle more muscle tissue isn't better that isn't a better body composition and having a bit more body fat and less muscle isn't worse so you then don't need to let those natural fluctuations affect your emotions because that's not your that's not what dictates your success anymore when you're not a competitor no and I think as well I I put a post the other day about how actually my my body has changed quite a lot since competing and um, someone actually asked me off the back of that oh so what are you doing for like your physique now? Like, is that intentional? Are you intentionally downsize it? And I was like, no, I just, I'm just living my life and my body just changes the result of it because now my priorities are keep healthy. And naturally, if we are thinking about movement, if we're thinking about, you know, daily, daily intentional movement, exercise that we enjoy, a bit of resistance-based training for all the other multitude of reasons, you will naturally have a healthy body composition as a result of that. But that's actually a spectrum of what that looks like. Um, and I guess that's where your flux is right across the year or the month, whatever. Um, so not everything has to be intentional as to like, I'm training to look like this. I'm training to look like that. Actually, if you just reevaluate your values and think, okay, what's important to me right now? And you are still obviously focusing on, okay, I, I, I move and I look after my nutrition for my health and, um, and whatnot, then your body will just readjust in line with that. It's not always a case that you have to be training for an aesthetic goal to manipulate your body to change your body um so I just thought that was a really interesting perspective because I kind of thought like yeah it's naturally gone that way and I'm fine with it but it also hasn't been an intentional thing I must not do any lateral raises because I want my delts to get smaller like if I want to do some lateral raises I'll go in and do them <laughs> like, oh, yeah nothing really to do it. yeah that's really refreshing and I've definitely had you know struggles with my body image and now I'm thankful so grateful to be in a really good place with it and have been for a while now but I think like my struggles have been quite different in that probably one of the biggest struggles for me was going through the process of trying to regain my menstrual cycle and being a bit worried that that might not actually come back Mm. and the worries that come with that alongside I think for me one of the biggest sort of things was worrying that coming away from competing would have a negative impact on my business because I really care about my business so that for me was a big like 
or am I doing the right thing? Like, is this going to negatively impact work? Uh, will I lose clients? Will I lose engagement on social media? Because ultimately that's a part of what we do. Um, and that's probably one, been one of the, the biggest sort of things for me. And I hope it's reassuring for people to know that now I feel like in the best position I've ever been from a business perspective, because I feel so much more aligned with my values now. And I feel like I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing as well as making a comfortable amount of money. And so hopefully for people listening that are personal trainers, online coaches, maybe you're competing at the moment. Maybe you've been questioning that like, it won't have, if you go about it in the right way, if you want to come away from competing, it won't have a negative impact on your business. And it might actually have a positive impact because when you're no longer going through contest preps every year or every second year, you'll have all of that time, energy, effort that you were investing into prep to put into your business. And that is invaluable and if you really use that wisely you'll be able to grow from a business perspective and progress massively maybe even more so from when you were competing and you'll probably be able to relate to that as well Charlie. Yeah 100% and I think there's so many different elements to this one thing like you said of literal time and energy that you don't get to spend on your business um, when you are competing but also that um you I was very much on the fence with this because I had one side of the sword that was saying to me right I've built up my presence on Instagram for example which is where I run my business I've built that up through my years of competing so I started that Instagram page when I started competing so that's where my audience have come from so there was that there's an element there of like right okay well how the hell will I market now when that whole audience is is competitive um and there was that, that perspective. However, there was the other perspective where I was looking at my client base and thinking the majority of this client base don't want to get on stage. Yeah. And actually, if I compete or not is of no relevance to them. And I actually spent more of my time going, yeah, this isn't what I want you to do, but I'm doing. Or they'd be like, well, why are you doing that? I'm like, yeah, but it's not relevant to you. And then it all just becomes really, really murky and unaligned. And kind of clients can't understand. Or actually, I'd find inquiries saying, I don't want to be like you, but... Oh, I want to get, I want to get, drop my body fat, but I don't want to be like as lean as you, or I don't want to do, I don't want to compete. And I actually realized that actually potentially there was a big barrier there for people actually reaching out to work with me that I could help. Um, because competition prep is quite aggressive on the forefront. And actually it's important for us. If you are still competing, I think it's really important to distinguish to potential clients that when you're promoting fat loss, you don't use an image of yourself shredded or on prep because actually that's that's not very ethical um and it's actually lying to people um so for me and like you said about being in alignment it actually made things a lot easier when I stepped away because although it was really really hard and I thought shit what do I do now actually things made more sense and it wasn't kind of like juggling all these different things so I was able to say to clients yeah okay I want you to do X, Y, Z, and I want you to have every faith because that's how I live. And you can you can see me do it, and you can see me going through this process. What you skipped a gym session this week because you had something really important came up with the kids. So did I. It's fine, and we get on. You know, it's you don't have to be perfect. Whereas if you're acting perfectly all the time, how how are clients going to feel about having imperfect weeks? You know, it's all it's 
all of these things that actually allow you to run your business in alignment with your client needs. Um, and it, it was a hard transition. I think you've been through it. And we've spoken about this before that you do have to like shift your content. You do have to think how will I market now that I'm not shredded all the time. But actually when you realize that that picture that you put up in the mirror or the stage shot that got 300, 400, 500 likes actually is not related to your business. It's just an ego hit. It's just people going, oh, that looks good. And you get a little dopamine hit from it. And that doesn't actually correlate to the people you can impact. Yeah, exactly. And I really did struggle for a long time, um, partially because I was still coaching competitors as well as gen pop clients. And doing that, I felt very conflicted when I was doing things like producing content because I, I was like, oh my God, I've got two completely separate like opposite end of the spectrum target audiences (laughs) and I'm saying to people I value health I'm trying to promote a holistic approach to you know changing your body composition or progressing with your training performance and I'm trying to be an advocate for a healthy well-rounded approach to the process but then I'm pushing people through a contest prep which is the opposite of that that's pushing people to the absolute extreme to the point yeah. that they're going to see negative impacts from a health perspective and they're going to have to dedicate all of their time, energy, effort to that goal. They're going to have to sacrifice human connection, social time. They're going to have to sacrifice time with their kids, time with their partners. And actually that's not really in line with what I'm trying to be an advocate for. So I felt so conflicted whenever I was trying to produce any content And whilst I was actually trying to do my job and that was really sort of hindering me in my ability to do my job to the best of my ability. And so I felt a a lot better since, and it took me a long time to do this for anyone who's listening. Like it took me so long to actually come to this decision and make it and put it into action. But I obviously decided to drop the competitors that I was coaching last year and it was not until the end of last year that I actually made this decision final um which enabled me to obviously just coach one target audience and direct all of my content at those people and do that job to the best of my ability and get really good at coaching those people and since I've made that decision everything has been so much more so much easier I felt so much happier I felt like immediately a weight had been lifted off my shoulders And so, yeah, just for anyone listening, like it took me so long to get to that point where I felt so good from a business perspective, but it did happen. And you've just got to stick with your gut and constantly reevaluate your values to make sure that you are acting in line with those values. One second, Charlie, I'm just going to. So it took me a really long point, a long time to get to that point, but it, it did happen when I eventually had the courage to make that decision that I knew I needed to make. And initially it meant that I had to take a bit of a hit from a business perspective, from an income perspective, but ultimately over the long term, it means that I can actually coach in a way that makes me happy. I can do my job to the best of my ability because I can really double down on getting good at coaching the people that I'm coaching, producing the right content, feeling less conflicted, And I was saying this to someone the other day, like when I was 
when I was coaching in a way that wasn't anymore in line with my values, whilst I did still have competitors, I was waking up feeling anxious every single day. Like it was actually having an impact on my mental and physical health in a negative way. And so that was when I really knew that I needed to make that decision. And like I said, although it meant an initial hit from an income perspective, it has been so worth it. And it just goes to show the importance of actually acting in line with your values and constantly reassessing those. Um, And that ties into, you know, if you're still competing, anyone who's listening to this, but you know, actually it's not right for you and it's not in line with your values and it doesn't make you happy, then you need to do what's right for you and move away from it before it has a massive impact on your mental and physical health before you get to the point where you're really unhappy and unfulfilled in life. And I think that's a really good point. And I think um, it's important that we actually, uh, the word values gets battered around so, so much. And I think actually getting clear on what your values are is really, really hard and people really underestimate that process. And sometimes it's not as clear as you think that it you think it is. Um, and when you actually you sit and you reflect, and for me, it, you know what, it took a little bit of time to actually get really clear on what my values were because, like you said about waking up with anxiety, it's you have to really, I guess, get really self-aware is the, the things that are making you feel a bit icky and just not quite right, and then actually questioning that and thinking, right, why is that? Like, what? Why doesn't that sit right with me? For me, it was like posting transformation photos and stuff like that like I will every now and again show someone's progress like more like a lot of the clients are like they're like building tissue or, or whatever and we're talking about the process of building tissue but I've just putting up like before and after photos and things like that like it why is that sit not sitting right with me and then getting a little bit more granular and then actually working down to what your values are because I think especially when you're still competing you can be like okay well my value is being successful or my value you know or like my value is being lean it's like that's not a value (laughs) like it's that's that's something like a characteristic for yourself so although like we talk about really openly about living aligned with our values I think it's really important to note that actually the process of working that out is a tough one as well and yeah it's it's, but it's so well worth it um because like you said about waking up with anxiety and it's so common and I'm not saying that this is the the be all and end all as to why that happens but so common that in, in today's society, you know, we're, we're so much more like anxiety and and, um, and and all these types of feelings. And we live in a world where in the palm of our hand, we've got social expectations flashing in front of us and we're scrolling through them all the time. So it's really important that you get aligned with what is right for you rather than what other people expect of you. Yeah, definitely. And I think another thing that I really struggled with personally was like lack of purpose, feeling lonely and also just having more time to myself. So I'm very much the type of person who struggles to relax and like stay still. I would, you know, try and watch TV and just end up doing work or getting up and wanting to actually do something like I I just really struggle to relax and like be still and be present and have time to my thoughts and feelings. And obviously competing used to be a massive distraction something that I could focus on so that I didn't have time and space to feel my feelings or feel my emotions it was a massive coping mechanism and so with that being taken away and me moving away from competing it's very tempting to then replace that with like business or 
yeah. having another a, another fitness goal or something like that but actually for me it's been really important to get used to having the time and space to to feel my feelings to feel my emotions being okay with not constantly doing something and actually being okay with relaxing and sitting still which actually by the way when you get used to doing that improves your productivity during your work time so it's actually productive to rest and it's productive to relax so wrapping your head around that can be really beneficial but that's something that I've struggled with massively and it's taken me you know going to therapy to get through that and get used to that um and it's taken a lot of time and effort it's not been an overnight process but if anyone's listening and that's something you struggle with and that's something that you use competing for to fill that void and use as a coping mechanism, that's something that you will get used to relaxing. You will get used to having that time and space to feel your feelings and emotions. And it's really important that you learn to be able to do that rather than replacing competing with something else. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. And I think like you said, I completely resonate with that of kind of like always wanting to be doing something. I think when you're self-employed, you're kind of in that mindset anyway of like, well, if I'm not working, then I'm wasting time or, you know, God, taking a couple of hours out in the middle of the afternoon couldn't possibly do that. Like it's, um, sorry, I'm just going to get a squeaky toy off the dog. That's really... <laughs> so yeah, I think when like you're self-employed, it, you, could, you can't possibly, like, you, you think you're wasting time if you take time off anyway. So I think that kind of goes hand in hand. But I think you're right in terms of when you prep in, it gives you like a false sense of forward momentum. And it's like, well, okay, well, I, I'm, you know, I've got to do my cardio, I've got to do this, I've got to put, and you're ticking off all these things. And like, you feel really accomplished from it. But what's at the other end? You like, you get a that, and I guess that's where we get, I was listening to, um, who was it on a podcast? So I think it was on Stephen Bartlett's podcast and it was an Olympian talking about post-podium depression. And that's where we get that, I guess, that dip after a show where you go like, right, well, what now? Like you just kind of have this no purpose. And you then, I guess, realise sometimes that you have just been distracting yourself from, from other things and filling this these times with things that make you feel like you are moving forward. Um, but like you touched on distraction and I think it can be a distraction tactic for not going to say all, but for many, and I, myself, there was a couple of perks when I, you know, I was distracting from things, from sitting and feeling things and working through things and, um, and, and doing, doing the hard work because sometimes it is easier to tick boxes and diet than to actually think, right, okay, well, what happens when I do sit with my feelings? What happens when, you know, I, I do start implementing this and working through X, Y, Z, and that is actually a little bit tougher than, um, than just being told what to do and following through with it. Um, definitely yeah I, I completely get that and I think it's it's not you're never going to be perfect as well and there will be times when things like rear, rear their head so I went through um a tough time last year and found myself like okay well I need structure then and I need to think about this 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 and the other and again was almost like hyper focused on my body which I haven't been for a little while and then was like well leaning back on well I've got my body and then that that's fine and it and I was like, wow, why has my head gone into this crazy place again? Um, but it was a kind of a learned coping mechanism. Um, and so, you know, you might get down the line and you'll, you'll you'll start to recognize things then rather than being like just going with it. You go, right, I can see that pattern now and I'm going to do something about it before it takes hold. Um, so, yeah, it's, it, it is really interesting. Yeah. And on that note, Charlie, I was going to say to you, 
Is there anything that you do still struggle with now since you last stepped on stage that is sort of a a product of competing? And if not, how long did it take you to feel quote unquote normal again? So we were were asked to talk about the time frame, weren't we, this week? So for me, I think that was the last time that I kind of had something come up where I went, ah, okay. And it was almost like the last little show of like, oh, there's maybe something still there. I had therapy as well um, at the start of last year and it wasn't a a long period of time, but I worked through the things that were in my mind and got very clear on some thoughts. And you know what, it was the springboard for me being able to help myself, like the foundation and it was amazing. Um, And I think that was probably the last time and I've definitely had either last sort of probably like eight to 10 months, like just a kind of noticeable massive shift where I just have almost like cut the cord finally. So for me, I would probably say it was a good two years before I was fully like, right, okay, I'm out of that now. And there wasn't anything going right. Oh, actually, like kind of just like still waving its hand in the background. Um, So, yeah, I would say it was a, a full two years. And for me, it was it was that it was that reliance on body image, I guess. And actually, I think to some extent there was probably, we'll talk about food rates that your body image intertwining. Um, there was an element still of food control there, um, whether that's not intentionally, it wasn't intentionally, but when I look back now from the place that I'm in now and I go, oh, I was still kind of doing that then, or, you know, assuming that less was better or, you know, oh, well, it's fine if my appetite's low because, you know, it means I get smaller. Like that mentality is like, what? Like to me now, like that's crazy. Um, But yeah, it's, yeah, at least two years, I'd say. Yeah, I would say, interestingly, I think physically I felt recovered probably about a year post-show. And when I say physically, I'm talking about like, I had, my my hormone health was back to to normal, probably about a year post-show. So like thyroid function, menstrual cycle, regularity. Um, I had my bloods done, I think about a year post-show and everything was normal. Like that's when I physically felt good. I was performing well. I was recovering well. Energy levels were good. Menstrual cycle regular, took a year. So that's physically. And then psychologically, I'd say that there's still small things that every now and again not often anymore but every now and again will pop up I think that's partially though due to them being deeper rooted than from I competed such as um like I spoke about my tendency to like mask my feelings and emotions with busyness as opposed to like actually feeling them so because that's deeper rooted like it's from my childhood and then competing sort of like was something I used as a coping mechanism for that. That's still something that I have to like remind myself of and deal with every now and again. Um, but I'd say the things that have come solely from competing, any issues that have come solely from competing, I'd say psychologically, like from a body image perspective, relationship with food perspective, I probably felt fully back to my usual self about a year and a half post-show. Um yeah. And I was speaking to someone about this the other day with my relationship with food. I've never struggled to, I mean, we discussed this when we were away at the weekend, like when you're competing, 
that's not what we would call a healthy relationship with food. So it is disordered to some extent. Yeah. But I've I've been lucky in that my introduction into the industry, when I first got in touch with a coach, he was local SNC coach, very evidence-based. We followed a flexible approach to nutrition. I never followed like a meal plan where I had to f- cut out food groups or anything like that. So from a food perspective, from a relationship with food perspective, the only issues I really had to deal with was tackling the sort of disordered eating traits that I had picked up through competing um, that come with the sport inherently, such as like, let's face it, weighing out your cucumber is not normal. So (laughs) things like that and being like meticulous with your eating times um, eating weird stuff like cucumber and stevia just to fill your stomach up like this yeah. sort of thing is not normal so they're the things that I had to deal with luckily I didn't have to deal with anything like um binge eating or like anorexia or anything like that it was just the disordered habits that came with competing but I did have the struggles with body image and things like that that like I said I think I was, for example, for reference, and this is a good example, I think, I would still step on the scales and think, oh, I'm X amount above stage weight until probably about a year and a half post-show. It took me that long to detach myself from my scale weight and stop comparing myself to that number because it's no longer relevant. Yeah, I I definitely went through a stage that even, like I say, last early last year where I was looking at the, the, the number on the scale in that relevant and actually something that I've noticed that I do now like I don't weigh myself anymore um but like it just being like now like even with the scales in the house and be like I just wouldn't jump on them particularly now that I'm in this phase where I'm like not even really thinking about my body composition and my priorities are elsewhere that realizing actually how detrimental that is to your mental health to be monitoring just that number as your measure of success um whereas that kind of filter isn't there when you come out of prep it's so like directly correlated um but it is these little things of like you only realize once you start to build all that self-awareness and you go oh my god I'm doing this thing and it's yeah. actually it's so not relevant to my, my night and my life now but I think with the food relationships like I think I went through quite a tough time early on and I had like a break in between like a year off two years off in between my show my competing and that's where I kind of dealt with that. So I think now I'm saying like, oh no, my food relationships maybe were less so than my body image ones. But I think I definitely did go through that during that first spell. And then I went into my last, the coach that I worked with last, my last few shows a bit more open-eyed with it. Um, because oh, I feel like I've been exposed to every single malpractice in the industry <laughs> in terms of food. Because it was so long ago and like people weren't really using my fitness pal back then. So it was all these kind of like, row techniques and stuff I was like with one coach I was just eating white fish and almonds for every meal and then he'd give me an hour window on a Saturday night to eat whatever I wanted like that was how we did it and so obviously I ended up with like restriction and overeating patterns um and then actually coming off the back of that that's the only prep where I ever um would say that I couldn't actually stop eating so obviously would differentiating the difference between like overeating and binging over the difference between like a, a binge episode will be more correlated towards things like a lack of control and 
not being able to stop and the more psychological elements and although I'm not going to self-diagnose with that because I don't think I did have a necessarily a disorder there were a few episodes where I would maybe categorize them closer to a binge and an overeating episode and just being completely unable to stop um so I can can correlate that to maybe that practice during during that prep and that was coupled with the fact that I switched my contraception at that time as well which obviously now with what I know would be like right well obviously that's like a storm for like for how I feel anyway and then throwing off hormones as well um and I gained a lot of weight very quickly um and I was really uncomfortable and I remember being putting on a, a dress that was two sizes it might have been two sizes two sizes bigger than I normally wore and it not being able to zip up at the back and it was my nan's birthday and I remember just falling onto the floor and crying my eyes out not because I was like I think I'm overweight or anything but because my body had changed so quickly in a way that I could not control and I was like I knew it was a product of those behaviors and I felt just in this massive storm um I was just crying on the floor to my mum like I don't know who I am or what to do I don't know what I'm doing like what was going on um and I don't actually remember I think I just kind of stayed in that mentality for a little bit and tried to figure it out myself. And then it just got to a point where I just said, right, I'm going to get consistent with my training again and just give myself some consistency with food. And then my body ended up in a really nice, healthy place again. And then the problem is then I went, okay, I'm ready to crap again. So I've made that mistake as well. So the first time I did that, rather than going, okay, amazing, now I'm going to live here because this is health. And I feel much better and I've got a healthy relationship with everything. I went, that means I'm ready to set another goal. And I started prepping again for another couple of seasons. Um, That's so, yeah, that's so common. And like, I definitely can relate to feeling very uncomfortable through improvement seasons when I was prepping, but like my mindset at the time, I was so focused on the goal of stepping on stage and getting better every time and building as much muscle tissue as physically possible that I got to the point where I was uncomfortable in like every off season, every improvement season. And like you were saying, I just didn't feel good in the clothes that I was wearing, but I saw that as like a necessity to improve the package I next brought to the stage and as soon as then I got to the point where I was like super 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 uncomfortable then I'd be like yeah I'm starting prep now (laughs) I'm trying to start a prep so I'm going to dive back into a prep rather than like just I don't know obviously there's a certain element of yeah you do actually have to get a little bit uncomfortable during your improvement seasons to maximally build muscle tissue so it is kind of a part of competing but I think the problem is actually that like that mindset of having to get uncomfortable to build muscle tissue has seeped into people who are not competitors who are in the general population and bodybuilding coaches are treating people with that that mindset with that approach and making them really uncomfortable in phases where they just want to build muscle tissue for general life when they don't need to go through that they don't need to go through that at all they have not got that goal of stepping on stage they're not trying to get to the olympia it's important to keep those people happy in their own skin so they don't have to deal with the body image struggles that we've had. 100% and I think because that's the that's the key is that like right you, you're saying there obviously that there are some elements of 
get a little bit comfortable for maximal gain. Um, that might give to someone like the 2% or the 3% that bodybuilding, it matters for bodybuilding. But when you look at all the research, like there's no research that directly correlates to like, if you put more body fat on, you gain more tissue. Like it's just that you've got extra, extra energy that isn't being put on as muscle mass that's now being gained as body fat. So actually, like you say, taking that to extremes and go, right, whether that uncomfortableness and all of the things that that takes away from your life is worth that extra 2% for a competitive bodybuilder. And again, we've spoken about it in the relation to gem pop, which is like, a, a, I guess for me is like, exactly like you should not be attributing that to a we say general, like general population but the normal public who want to build some tissue because it's risk versus reward isn't it i guess law of diminishing returns of like okay you get to a point where like yeah you're going to get the most bang for your buck here but you might get a little bit extra but for you it's not worth it it's going to take more than it is going to give you but also i i do think that for the majority of com- amateur competitors that actually and this is going to sound awful but there is a cream of the crop that have worked hard and have great genetics that will get to the top um and that might be worth it for them because they can make a very good salary from doing that but for the majority of people it's always going to be a hobby and even if you did get a pro card then you still won't probably make a salary from it so actually look at what it is actually going to give you and if you are spending the majority of your time either unhappy in your skin because you have to to gain tissue and then it's taken away from your relationships your your actual confidence your um general body image your you know time with your friends all of these other things your presence in moments that matter and then the next thing is okay well then we start prep which in this phase you can't eat with your family and your friends you can't go out and have a couple of cocktails if you want them so actually always that you're in this element of can't and element of scarcity of what you can't do or can't feel. Um, and it's like you're waiting just for this one day to feel good about yourself. Um, and I guess the majority of girls are going through this during their 20s, which is ultimately a one of the most fun times of their lives that they have got no dependence and can just live a really really full life doing you know whatever they want to do but also one of the most critical times for their fertility health and things like that should that be a path they want to go down so yeah there's so much going on I think we have to we have to really think about the law of diminishing returns it's like we can all go right okay yeah but you know I I want that grind extra one percent extra two percent because I love this I love that do you love it because you're crying because you don't you don't want to go out wearing that outfit or you just not you can't find anything that you like yourself in because you feel so uncomfortable so do you really or is that the narrative that you're telling yourself yeah and you touched a little bit on like hormone health there and I thought actually one thing I did want to mention during this podcast because it's a conversation I've had with a few people in my Instagram DMs recently about like recovering from a hormone health perspective from prep it takes a really really long time especially if like for example in my circumstance there was in my I took a year away from competing I think it was 2018 or tw- I think it was 2019 2018 one of the two anyway took a year out of competing which I had as like an extended improvement season ended up being like a year and a half um and I had some blood tests done during that time and my estrogen was through the floor like it was so low and I felt like absolute crap alongside that my thyroid function was not 
in the best place um, and some of my other hormones were out of range as well and that was the accumulated effect of me competing um and also potentially tight had had which had an impact was me coming off of hormonal birth control as well the year prior um so for those of you who don't know basically when you're on hormonal hormonal birth control you're taking exogenous synthetic versions of estrogen and or progesterone sometimes it's a combination of the two sometimes it's just one of them and that suppresses your body's natural production of those those hormones so when you then come off of hormonal contraception your body has to basically learn to be able to produce those hormones in their correct quantities again and it can take a while for your body to recover and start producing those hormones in the right quantities so that the fact I'd come off of hormonal birth control in combination with me pushing my body to the absolute extreme so lean that it didn't want to be there and me not having a regular menstrual cycle for months and months and months on end as a result of that meant that my estrogen was super low and my thyroid function was pretty crap. So I had to spend a really long period of time where I went through like a recovery phase. I stopped tracking my food and um, just ate as much as like my appetite sort of told me to eat. I was basically trying to be a bit more intuitive with my nutrition as opposed to adhering to numbers. And I pulled training down to training three times a week with like three reps in reserve for every session that I did. Um, Removed step targets, removed formal cardio and did that for about six months. So Again, that took a while, but what happened was my estrogen came back up just into range. So that was improving. And I saw that improvement over a six month span. And then my thyroid function didn't improve so much. So I ended up actually supplementing with thyroid, um, which was levothyroxine and stayed on that throughout my time competing. And then because I, so psychologically at that time, I knew in reality, if I wasn't competing, I would have probably not ended up supplementing with levothyroxine. And I would have tried to just stick it out because I believe my thyroid function was suppressed because of competing, not because of, I, I didn't have Hashimoto's or anything like that. I think it was because of competing. Obviously you can't know for certain because there's no way of knowing for for definite, but I'm pretty sure it was because of that. Um, so if I wasn't competing at the time, then I would have just stayed, I wouldn't have supplemented with anything, but because I knew I wanted to be stage lean and it would be really hard to get back there with a suppressed thyroid, I went on basically supplementation, medication, and stayed on that for my last contest prep. And then when I came away from that prep, I I have now, I'm fully off of all supplementation. I'm not on any medication whatsoever. So it just goes to show that like, you can bounce back from that. But I just wanted to make a point that we, I've been through those issues. I understand how it feels it feels like you're fighting your body. It's really, really hard. But I'd say if there's one thing that I regret from my time bodybuilding was probably going on thyroid medication because it meant that actually coming away from competing when I didn't want to be on any of that, it was very hard psychologically because I was 
I thought, well, if I come off, then I'm going to blow up. You know, when you're in that immediate headspace post-show where your body image isn't in the best place and you are still recovering, it it's hard to then come off of anything that you've been on, knowing that that might have an impact on your body composition even more so than if you were to just be recovering from contest prep alone without taking into account any medication, supplementation or assistance that you're using. So that was a really hard process that I went through. And it just goes to show the impact that competing can have on your hormone health. And it's a serious consideration for anyone that's in the sport or is thinking of getting into the sport as well. Yeah. And I, 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 I'm not going to say I was lucky, but I, um, I didn't have anything coming out of the other side where I have, I'm full of gratitude for that though, because I certainly should have, I, 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 if, if I wrote down on paper, like my situation, like I, I don't know how I didn't. Um, and again, just goes to show that, you know, energy availability, all of these things, they're all so variable by person to person, things that might trigger one person for their hormones to um, to respond or be different to somebody else. And there isn't, there's nothing in stone. It's just that if you dabble with these areas, you don't know what the consequences could be. Um, and what might be, oh, this person was okay. Yeah, but someone else might do, you know, half of what they do and have a response, you know, or equal to what they didn't have a response. So it's it's a really tough area to be in. And actually, when we're talking about like being there and feeling those feelings, I have done the silly thing and I went into that next bout of competing. And I was like, right, head down now. I'm going to finish this and I'm going to try and turn pro. And I had a coil fitted so that my periods would just completely stop. And I, and I actually went, I'll deal with that when I've done it. And I literally remember saying those words and being like, that's on the back burner. My health is on the back burner until I finish this. And now I couldn't even imagine making that same same decision. However, I am also more educated on all of those things through my own education, my own research and um, courses that I've done. So I'm much more aware, whereas before it was almost a bit of a, oh, I've heard it can disrupt things. And I didn't really understand it. Um, and I would never have made that choice again. And I'm just so, so lucky that when I did then have my coil removed, that my periods came back and I had a period bang on 28 days after I had that removed. And mm-hmm. my actual general health, I felt fine, sort of six months post-show and everything was was coming through poop from blood. It's absolutely fine. Um, but I definitely had that feeling, like you said, Danny, of like coming off things and coming off kind of supplementation and assistance and thinking, oh my God, what's going to happen? But I felt that crap towards the end of my prep. And the only way I can describe it was I felt like my insides were dying. Like that's, <laughs> that's how I felt that I was like, I couldn't wait to actually take the supplementation out and to take all yeah. the stuff out and to actually nourish my body again, because I felt so empty. And so I felt like I was killing myself. And okay. I guess when you get to that stage, that competitive lean, it is like slow starvation. I could feel that internally. Um, and I actually was quite excited to just go, right, I can't wait to nourish my body again and to rest my body and um, to take these things out. But it is like there's two voices in your head. You've got that voice saying one thing and another voice on your other shoulder that's going, oh my God, but you're going to stop doing that and you're going to get fat. Yeah. And like it, again, at that time in your life, fat is the worst thing you could be. And I'm, I'm making air quotes in my head. because, yeah. like, but like It's like you have an ingrained fear from competing that, like the fear of gaining body fat is so real because like I was saying earlier in this podcast, like your definition of success is so warped. 
it literally comes down to when you step on stage, you're judged on how lean and how muscular you are. And so the worst thing you can imagine is gaining body fat. But that's a very distorted picture of reality that we have to recondition when we then come away from competing. Um, And it is so hard, like you said, and I can so relate to like feeling as though you're just basically you feel like you're fighting your body every single day you wake up wake up and you feel like you're fighting your body but now I look back at pictures of myself when I was competing and it do you know like when you're competing and you look back at your stage photos and you're like oh my god I can't wait to be there again you like get itchy feet I now look back at my competing pictures and it makes me feel a bit ill and I'm like I would never want to be there ever again and that's partially because I'm so grateful for where I am now and I absolutely love my life now I've gone through this transition phase and I have dealt with all these difficult issues that we've both faced I'm so grateful to be where I am and like life is so beautiful and I'm so grateful for it and I wanted to ask you, Charlie, as like a bit of a final question, what is your favorite aspect of life now that you weren't able to enjoy as much whilst you were actively competing? Um, oh, I don't know. There's so many good ones. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, can I say a couple? So there's little ones yeah. like having to worry about what I'm going to eat and where I'm going to eat like that's that's a really practical thing that's like a really nice way off that it's like well I'll just get food when I'm there and I'll just make a choice that aligns with me and we're all good um so like the practical stresses of things like that like oh is there going to be a gym doing it like all that malarkey um and I'd probably say the biggest thing that's changed my life and the biggest thing that like I'm so grateful to have this is is the overcoming body issues is being able to put something on and not be stressing in myself in the mirror in terms of like oh how does this how does this look and do I not feel like my absolute best and just be able to go and train and just focus on training because I'm there to train not to you know look look completely lean or ripped or whatever and um I guess that just not taking as much space up in my head anymore that it's I can just enjoy my life I can literally enjoy my life without thinking about oh yeah I'll I'll eat that and I'll enjoy it and then I'll crack on with my life and that's yeah. fine and not thinking that everything is in relation to how it will make me look um and you know you say this to people and they're like but how do you not you know how are you not then overweight and it's like because food isn't a novelty anymore you actually just you can enjoy it and I was actually noticing when we were all sat around on Friday night um in Manchester and how many of us actually were like we were eating like we were at Reds we were having like barbecue based like food at Reds and then we had cake after and we all enjoyed the food and how many of us like left bits on our plate and yeah. like we, we were just like chatting away and it, we all were, were loving the cake that Amelia brought but it wasn't a case of like I must eat all of it everybody was just super chilled and I was like that's just exactly that is that you can enjoy all of the things and it not take up space in your head worrying about how you look or how food's going to make you look um yeah the biggest thing that's changed my life definitely I think do you know what like one of the biggest life-changing things for me has been not feeling like my physique dictates 
like for example when I was it's hard to explain actually this point but when I was competing I had a lot of friends in the bodybuilding industry who also wanted to do very well um my partner at the time was obviously a bodybuilder I was surrounded by people who had exactly the same goals and were and people who had very big goals in the bodybuilding industry so it's literally all they thought of every second of the day and I think I almost felt like a lot of those people who were in my life probably valued me partially because of who I was as a competitor as opposed to because of actually who I who I really am and so I'm now able to be myself and feel valued for who I genuinely am as a person and I feel valued now for myself with the people who I choose to spend time with and that is so lovely because then when I spend time with those people I'm able to be present I'm able to enjoy the experience we have amazing conversations it's not just all about like bodybuilding and your physique and what type what body part you want to bring up and whether you're tracking your macros and when you're next stepping on stage like the conversation is just so much more valuable and I when I'm with people I feel like the people I'm spending my time with we are all so much more present and we're so much more immersed in the present moment as opposed to being just so wrapped up in bodybuilding success and our physiques and like you said food and that just makes every moment in life so much more enjoyable so I think that's one of my favorite things and I feel yeah yeah, I feel like the people I spend my time with they value me for me and not me for what I'm doing as a competitor yeah yeah I love that and that's definitely something as well I think it's really hard to pinpoint one thing because it's also like wrapped up together like it, it, it all links doesn't it so and I know from looking back from like like you know going a bit deeper like with therapy and things like that that I probably did get into competing um from something that was earlier on in my life that made me feel like I wasn't good enough and that gave me like a method of like well I'll show you I am so I'm going to get a trophy type of thing and now I'm on the other side of that and I can see it as more of like a trail and a lot more clearly um, that, that exactly that, like that I ended up surrounded by people that I was like, right, okay, these people value me for how I look or where I am in the industry. And I can tell you that because when I was in Alicante and people thought that was the time that I was going to go pro, my inbox was absolutely full. But then when I didn't get my pro card, I didn't hear from anybody again. <laughs> so it's like you you can see it as clear as day like you you can just see it so it's it is massive to come out of that and to kind of get over that hump of being like right I'm just going to be myself and trust that the people that are around you will be authentic when you do that um and I would say probably the whole time I was competing I was probably living a bit of another life of it being like yeah almost that life as me the competitor and now I can actually be myself it's like refreshing yeah and I feel like yeah I feel like I lost a lot of myself I know obviously this you know I'm not saying that this is the case for everybody but like I definitely lost a lot of myself quite when I got quite far into competing and I now feel like I've been able to 
come back into myself and come back to and really sort of like we've discussed establish what my values are establish what I enjoy what makes me feel happy what makes me feel fulfilled and find the people that are supposed to be in my life whereas when I was you know I, I didn't feel like it's not that I didn't want to be myself at the time it's just got I, I got so wrapped up in my bodybuilding related goals and having that as my measure of success that I I'd sort of lost myself a bit in that process and got wrapped up in maybe other people's versions of success and things like that um and yeah now I feel much more myself than I ever have and like you said it's the little things as well like being able to travel like we did at the weekend without taking one million bags and five different prepped meals and a bag of supplements I'm gonna get up at four so I can do my cardio and then find somewhere to train and I'll meet you there like <laughs> Right, right. And being able to like spontaneously do things, like spontaneously go on weekends away, meet your friends without thinking, oh no, I can't because I've got faster cardio in the morning or I need access to a gym. You know, you're able to live your life much more spontaneously and do the things that you want to do in each moment as opposed to having to meticulously plan everything around contest prep. Yeah. And I think bringing it back full circle to what we started to talk about in, about for those of you that own businesses, like showing your clients that you can do that with the type of clients that you probably coach is massive because that's the biggest barrier to a lot of your clients is that they want to just be able to live their life, but have, you know, to live healthily and, and maybe have some, some level of aesthetic goal. You know, people want to lose body fat for their health and, and, you know, to feel good about themselves, showing themselves, showing them that you can, live in a healthy body all year round and do all of these things is absolutely gold um and being like the, the beacon of light that shows them how to do that as well is really really important um yeah. so yeah it's it's a very nice full place to be um when you get there and another bonus as well knowing that your business success is not resting on your external appearance is such a reassuring such a reassuring fact like because right we're all gonna age and our body composition is going to change with age we might go through a pregnancy we might get injured and not be able to train and therefore our bodies are going to change if you think that your business if you're some people right their business success is linked to how they look because people follow them for their physique people invest in them because they look good and they buy into these quick fixes if your business success and your income is resting on your external appearance that's a very flaky way to live your life and it's a very unnerving way to live your life because there are a lot of things in life that will have an impact on your physique and if you you know that's going to cause a hell of a lot of anxious feelings if you're thinking that your business is resting on your external appearance so if you can build a business on your brains and your coaching ability and your knowledge and who you are as a person that is going to be absolutely game-changing in my opinion and from experience I can tell you that it it leads you to live a much less anxious life yeah 100% and I think we can see that in so many different industries and like we talk a lot about mental health I have one there's a lot of awareness around mental health now um and it is something that I worry about for like and it's not the same thing but like girls getting into like only fans and stuff like that and like 
your body is going to change. So like if your only measure of income and what you're good at is completely related to something that is transient, um, it's quite a dangerous place to be. We see it in that kind of industry um, modeling, like Hollywood, like it's a, there's a correlation there between placing the, the kind of your worth and your success on how you look um, to something that is ultimately out of your control. Um, and yeah, I think that bodybuilding definitely plays with those kind of demons in that area. And yeah, when you can build your business, like you say, on something that has much more of a solid foundation, um, it helps you with self-acceptance with the things that are out of your control as well and to respect yourself in, in a more well-rounded way. So. Yeah, definitely. Right. That has been a fantastic episode. Anyone who is listening, please go and join our community on Facebook. It is called The Flourishing Competitor. It's in the form of a Facebook group. You can literally just request to join and we will accept you straight away. It's completely free and we're going to be posting exclusive content in there, which you will not have access to outside of that Facebook group. So please join us and please like and subscribe if you enjoyed. Comment down below message myself and charlie on instagram and give us a follow on the flourishing competitor thank you so much for listening charlie thank you so much for joining me it's been an absolute pleasure thank you for having me i've enjoyed it thank you guys i will see you in the next one